Hi and welcome along to this week's instalment of the Left on Red podcast. It's the day after our very disappointing 2-2 draw against Crystal Palace. Hopefully this episode can cheer you up a little bit. Okay, well, that was a little bit shit, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a bit rubbish. Just another... Like, I said this in my piece as well. One rocky game against Brighton. Fine. Let that slide. Two in a row. One being at home to Palace. I mean, Brighton are a good team. Yeah. They were better than us. And I know we disagree a little bit, but I don't think Palace were better than us. I thought for... 70 minutes, 65 minutes, we were the better team. You are, you were saying that there was a period in the first half where they yeah. had more control, which is true, sort of the last 25 minutes of the first yeah. half. But I thought on the whole, it wasn't one where you reflected after the game and thought, no, we were lucky to get a point. Like mm, uh, like we thought after Brighton. Oh, we were better so us. lucky to get a point, no? No, because it was two individual errors that cost us. Yeah. Not that we created loads, but at 1-0 up, we should have been able to see the game out. They, yeah, they didn't create anything. They you, just I Usually mean, we're a bit of a different team after we go ahead, and there was just absolutely no spark after we went 1-0 up. No, I think Arteta said it after the game, actually. I listened to his, to his interview. and He did he an was, Arsene Wenger, didn't he? In what sense? He put the handbrake on. Oh, yeah, no, he did say that, yeah. <laughs> That's what Arsene always no, he, used yeah, to do. Yeah, he did, absolutely. But Mikel was suggesting that for some reason the team decided to, as you take the handbrake off and just yeah. defend, decide they had something to defend. No, not take it off, put it on. Put it on, that's the one, yeah. <laughs> no, but they, they, they decided yeah. that for they some reason, after going 1-0 up, maybe it was because of the lack of creativity throughout the match, they thought, we've got this lead without really being able to create anything, let's just sit on it. Yeah. But uh, it was the wrong choice. We spent most of the time before the game sort of winding around Holloway Road and Market Road. Yeah, going through Camden and listening to him just... We, we, I play for Lowell's um, cousins, sort of. Called the Mosquitoes, if yeah. you ever want to come and watch us. Skeets for short, Monday evenings, Market Road, be there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Har- Harry's filling in at the moment, as I still haven't been able to play since May. Um, but yeah, we spent most of the, most of the time before the game. Just I went sitting to around them. on a human forest bike. Just, Awful you know. weather. Terrible, yeah. No, it was... Actually, it's quite nice to play in, though. Yeah, yeah, it's nice to play in. Not, not to nice in. to watch the football. On your own. Also, the, the whenever it's raining, um, the the roof above us and the stadium's broken. On the In the West End? Yeah, okay. so it just sort of leaks through. I don't have those problems in the North Bank. <laughs> it just drips right onto you. Yeah. So that's not ideal. Um, that but, created a bit of a sort of a, a rush of energy before the match. Yeah, the ball, the ball was actually holding up quite a little bit. In the in the pitch, I thought. Well, our, our match or the Arsenal? The Arsenal. Okay, the Arsenal. Sorry, <laughs> it was holding up in our. No, match the ball well. was extremely heavy at Market Road for some reason. Yeah, it was a first versus second clash, and we drew nil nil. It was quite a scrappy game. Good result, though. Yeah, we take the point. Um, no, but yeah, I just ugh. we usually actually quite like playing on Monday nights though. We'd won under Arteta. We'd won seven of seven really? before that game. I didn't realise yeah. that. I always think was it a Monday night or a Friday night when we opened the league season and we beat Leicester four three. Friday. That was a Friday. Okay, we like those sort of Monday Fridays. Then. Yeah, that was good. That. Yeah. But those were uh, uh, those were the glory days under Arsene. Yeah. Weirdly, there seemed to be um, quite a lot of new people at the game. I don't know whether you uh, well, in and around our regular season. Yeah, I don't know whether you had that, but usually sort of when it's the League Cup games or whatever, you have quite a lot of new people around that. 
But like when I was going into the turnstile, loads of people that didn't know how to use the uh, the little scanner. Yeah. And then all around us, sort of people that I didn't really recognise. I got that as well. There were a few people sitting around me that I'd never seen before, which was a bit strange because usually Premier League games, it's always the same people sitting around you. Yeah. And you kind of get to know how they're going to react throughout the match and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So that was, that was interesting for our match day experiences. Well, we, we had a bloke behind us that, uh, that Fat Harry brought. Fat Harry quite often brings his... It's usually sort of his comedy double act okay. that he just plucks out from outside the ground and brings them in when he has a spare ticket. This guy was just so annoying. <laughs> like, it was really annoying. He one uh, I remember Odegaard gave away a free kick towards the end of the first half, right uh, on the edge of the box, and he shouted, uh, "Odegaard, you've got a lot of answers to be questioned if this goes in." And he stopped halfway through because he thought, Wait, oh, I've got did this Did you get wrong. that wrong? Did he get that no, wrong? No, no, he's got that wrong. Okay, fair enough. And he, st- <laughs> he stopped halfway through because he thought, oh, I've got this wrong. And he just, he's just, he carried, just carried on. on yeah. And then also in the second half, he just kept shouting, this game is crying out for Gabriel Martinelli. When it probably wasn't. No. I, I mean, he did come on and, I mean, he, was he always right. injects a bit of energy, but I mean, but definitely I, wasn't I, crying out for him. No, nor, nor would I sit in the stands shouting, this game is crying out for Martinelli at any point. No. Strange, and man. Sitting around me, I was sitting next to this guy who was, a, he was, oh, I'd never sat next, I'd never sat next to him before. He was a nervous wreck. So any time any player got the ball in any tight situation or anyone tried anything sort of technical, mm. as in like, not just lumping it long yeah. or a side, sideways pass, you go, ooh, and then, when it, <laughs> and then when it came off, you go, fucking incredible, you. Like, it just made no sense to me. The man had no composure. I would have been worried if he was playing in our midfield. Well, to be fair, neither did any of our players, really. No, yeah, he sort of reflected the state of yeah. the playing. On Maybe the they got it off him. Yeah. Could hear him. Yeah. He's the quite nerves out. carried over. Yeah. Oh, we were really bad. We can only hope that Friday night against Villa is, is a little bit better. Oh, I, just, I was so looking forward to this week as well. Before, so was I because the results elsewhere went so well. for they us. They went really well for us, and we could have been we could have been sat in fourth, fourth place <laughs> on Friday evening going into uh, going into the weekend. But now it looks like it might be a little bit of a longer week. Absolutely. I mean, you said in your in your article that this makes Villa a must win game. I was saying to you, I think it already was a must win game. And actually, when you look at this section of games upcoming, it, this now makes the Leicester away a, a must-win. Because when you look yeah. at it, you think the two home games must win, and then if you can yeah. nick a point away at Leicester, acceptable. But now it puts a bit more pressure on not just the Villa game, which yeah. already had that pressure, but also at the it just power. puts pressure on sort of the next four or five. Really, when you when you fail to to get three points at home to a team that are mid-table, I mean, to be honest, are we anything better than a mid-table team at the moment? No, but we should be. We should I think be. we will end up finishing in the top six, if we're honest. But I think really? it'll be a slog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe top seven, top six, top seven. Oh, I, don't, I don't, I don't have the emotional energy for a slog. I think, se- I think seven from downwards, you start categorising as mid-table. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to move on to Harry's tactical section for the day. And just just to mention, Harry's been sort of fretting for the last half an hour about how annoying his tactics section is going to be. Well, I was just thinking, actually, the first time we haven't won, but then we didn't win against Brighton. I just think performance-wise and results-wise, it's sometimes a slog to even bother thinking about 
why yeah. things went wrong from like a prof- not professional but a tactical point of view rather yeah, especially than like after just something so frustrating yeah. as yesterday. But there's loads and loads t- to dissect, yeah. like more than usual, because we changed formation so many times. And also, Vieira's tactics were very strange, but also to some degree effective. So it's quite quite an interesting discussion, I hope. N- hopefully not too boring or annoying. So Arteta, rever- not, well, not reverted, but he's now got this, this second system, which is yeah. not too dissimilar from our normal system. We saw it away at Burnley, where it's... Some fans will call it a four one four one. I'll call it a four three three. It's actually some somewhere in between a four two three one and four three three. It's, it's like it's a four three three when we haven't got the ball, and then four one four one going forward. Yeah, exactly. So Odegaard is on, on the, is the left eight, and Smith Rowe's the right eight. But then Odegaard drops a lot deeper, yeah. and Smith Rowe stays a lot higher. Um, but he's not a ten because he's just staying in that that right pocket. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit, that's why I said it's a bit of a hybrid between four two three one four three three when we're trying to build out and when we have possession and whatnot. Um, so that was the way things tended to go when we were trying to play out from the back and also through the middle thirds. I hated that in the in the in the first half the system we were playing. I just thought we had we had four then Partey and then essentially two right wingers and two left wingers and a striker. Yeah, like there wasn't, there wasn't. Usually, there's more sort, much more dropping in from Smith Rowe and from Odegaard. Yeah, and I thought they were just both really wide and occupied very similar positions to Pepe and Saka, which just left us with a hole in the middle. I, th- I agree with the Smith Rowe and Pepe o- operating similar positions. I thought Odegaard was a lot deeper. Than I just didn't him. think we had any. Like there was. There was space in the midfield, like my dad was saying, that it was just Partey operating the green strip down the middle. Yeah. And there was no other Arsenal player coming well, in to pick up. Yeah, on, on the left side there wasn't, because Odegaard was a bit deeper, which what I'm saying was it was a bit slanted. Yeah. And then Smith Rowe was higher, but then wasn't coming to receive as much as we yeah. like. And maybe that's because he's not so used to playing in the right channel of midfield yeah. he's more so used to playing left wing and cutting in in, yeah, in I mean, our other I, system to be honest I do prefer him coming in off the left I think in the other yeah in the other system which we did go to in the second half whether that was because of Saka's injury or because of the last 20 minutes of the first half them yeah. having a bit more control than us but no we, we pressed in a 4-4-2 which we oh, we, 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 we always do um, so it was Smith Rowe and Aubameyang with two strikers Pepe right midfield Saka we tried to press Okay, we tried to press. And then I, I thought it was quite interesting. Sometimes Pepe would become the second striker and Emil Smith Rowe would become the right midfielder in that 4 4 2 press. Yeah. Um, which I thought may, may have been that rotation. There was quite a lot of rotation between Pepe and Smith Rowe. Even when we were trying to play with the ball in our possession phase, sometimes Pepe became the inside right channel. And he's more of a right forward, yeah. like you see Mohamed Salah play where that inside channel is used for more of a goal threat than a creative threat, and then you had Smith-Rowe out wide. Maybe Arteta's trying to see if he can use Smith-Rowe's qualities in similar fashions to, I don't know, how De Bruyne is used in that sort of quarterback region where he can win yeah. crosses and stuff like that. So there was rotation there, which I thought was interesting, we hadn't seen before. Um, and the other thing I wanted to note was, so we usually, when we're in the final third transition so we go to three at the back and then Tierney bombs on as a left winger yeah and then the other winger so Pepe would be holding the whip from the right and then you have these inside the left wing would cut in usually which yeah. would be Smith Rowe because Saka's not so much for midfielder it was more so Tierney and Saka were working in the same space 
and then Odegaard was sitting was in the two. So the three-two-five we usually play was kind of like a three, just party. So like a three-one-six, but it was kind of five because two players were operating that outside left channel. Yeah. So it was a bit industrious. There wasn't much creative. Not industrious. industrious. So that's not the right word I've used. I don't think that even is a word. It is a word. Like if you're industrious in the midfield. Is that, isn't it like gritty? Anyway, I've definitely used it in the wrong t- context. We, we were a bit lacklustre, I thought, on the left side. There yeah. was one time where there was a nice triangular combination where Odegaard played a nice chip into Saka. Yeah. But apart from that, it was pretty stale, and I thought it didn't work. And the the balance didn't work very no. well. And, and then Arteta changed it in the second half. He did. Uh, I, I We were sort of saying at half-time that we... I mean, given the sort of last 25 minutes of that half and Palace's dominance and the way the game looked to be going, we were sort of saying to each other at half-time that we couldn't come out like this in the second half. And whether it was a tactical switch or just because of Saka's injury. Well, I didn't realise Saka was injured. I was convinced that bang straight away tactical switch because yeah. we were we were fine in the first two thirds as we usually are and then we just didn't have any creativity. But he, looked, he looked to be mobile enough towards the end of that. Half. Yeah, so I guess, I, I, I guess my opinion tells part. me it was it was partly tactical, yeah. partly injury. Maybe it was just two things combined. And we thought we'll go for a different option. So we went to our normal four two three one with Smith on the left, cutting into playing midfield and Odegaard yeah. starting as a number ten, and then you know going into the right channel and yeah. Tierney and Pepe really out wide and Aubameyang up top, and then Lukonga and Partey sitting in front of the three defenders. So yeah. it was much more of our normal system, which I thought. We played better in. It I worked still better. thought we didn't create very, I mean, very much. Sort of first first ten minutes of the second half, we weren't really any good, and no. bet that's when Benteke scored from Partey being a muppet again. But I think sort of after that, in the four two three one, we we managed to wrestle back a bit of momentum from. That's what I, I was going to say. I didn't think. I don't think we would have been able to get back if we'd have been in the system that we were in in the first half. I agree. That's where I think the difference was. I thought in both systems, in both halves, we were okay in the first two thirds with all the sort of playing through whatever when we were in control. Yeah. And we lacked creativity in both systems. But in the second half, going back to one more frequent 4-2-3-1 system, you could feel momentum building Yeah. in terms of quality of decision-making and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, I think briefly, just want to touch on what Palace do, uh, do did. Um, so they played multiple systems as well. Uh, quite interesting. There were some similarities. So they sort of defended in a four three three with, and their midfield was quite key. Conor Gallagher was sort of the key to all of their he's different. A really good he's player, a very good player. He? He's very intelligent. So in the midfield, it was Milivojevic as a six, and then and then Macarthur and Gallagher either side. Yeah. And then whenever they pressed. Uh, MacArthur and Milivojevic became a double pivot and yeah. Gallagher had a free roll to press as a number yeah. 10 and then when they had the ball in our half because I was saying to, before the match to you that I thought it was very strange to start with three strikers up top but actually mm. Jordan I was playing as a right wing back and then their right back well they were they were playing a 4-4-2 essentially no, no they were playing I like, as a right midfielder um, what's his name no I thought I well, what, what I what I saw I mean this is only my opinion, was that when they were attacking, so they had the ball like in our half, yeah. Ayu became a, became a right wing back, Mitchell became a left wing back, Joel Ward joined the back three with Gaye and right. Anderson, and then... Yeah, I suppose that and it then, probably um, worked out like that. MacArthur and Milivojevic sat in front, and then you had... 
Eduardo came off the left on paper. and then Benteke up top and then Gallagher sort of had a free roll where he could either join the, those front two as a front three so Eduard sort of left Benteke central Gallagher right yeah. or those two Eduard and Benteke would become strikers and Gallagher again become a 10 yeah. run wherever he wanted um, so it was very flexible they really have some good players Palace they I, do I, they do. I really I, I actually very much enjoy watching their side at the moment well, I, I didn't think they created much, but I thought no, it was very interesting much. the way that Vieira definitely had a blueprint of how he wanted yeah, there's a style. to do things yeah. in different moments of the match. I, thought, I, I think some of his signings have been very shrewd. I mean, Edouard is clearly a brilliant player. I agree. And I think Gay from, from Chelsea, was it? Yeah. I thought he's an excellent signing. Yeah. They've got him on loan or a permanent? No idea. But he's a good player. Um, also, Elise, young player from Reading that they signed. Yeah fantastically technical player I don't know how he's going to integrate into the first team but yeah. he looked he made good decisions he didn't come on trying to be fancy when he came no, on no no yeah I thought I thought that as well I was thinking a bit of a sort of strange substitution but um, he when they brought him on yeah, yeah, he, he, he just kept the ball and when he had a decent enough chance he'd he'd go for a little run well I was quite up. impressed because I, I played against him and I know from experience that he's extremely skillful and I mm. thought oh, why would you bring on a really technical skillful young player with 10 minutes to go yeah. actually did everything perfect yeah, he just yeah. defended got the ball passed it yeah I, I was saying to you actually I, I think that um, I, I to, in my opinion I think that for Palace that was probably two points dropped uh, when you look at how the game the game had gone and I think that the Palace Palace mates that I had that were at the game sort of held the same opinion. But I I think part of what did that was Vieira switching to a back five at the end. Um, at the end, bringing off Edward for Tomkins. I sure. I just thought that invited more pressure yeah. than than needed to happen. I mean, we didn't really have any guile going forward like clear cut yeah. chances created through and also we weren't like, like the crowd were pretty silent in the last like five minutes until yeah. the sort of added time went up well until Lacazette came on and made the roar yeah um, no I agree with that they didn't need to go to a back five it backfired because they could have they could have held the ball they could have held the ball from for, not for the whole time but had more yeah, yeah. two minute passages for example I also I don't know if I agree with the fact that it's two I mean it's two points drop for them but I also think it's two points drop for us because Oh, it's obviously they, points dropped for us, but the way the game went is... The way the game went, game. I just think the fact that their goals came through our, our mistakes making yeah, that two was, points drop for us as that well. That was the frustration. Um, just finally, before we move on, um, this is where I felt a little bit frustrated with Arteta, was that he then changed the system a second time, so that we played a third, a third blueprint, a third system, and he decided to take party off for Martinelli, which was fine, they're going gun-ho, but he changed it to a 4-2-4, so just two midfielders, yeah. big gap, and then four attackers and you know Pepe, Obalaka, and no one Gabi. really knew what and, and knew what they were. The meant tactic to be was doing. just to just to lump it up top, and actually yeah. um, Gabriel, big centre back, went up top for a bit as well yeah, when they yeah. put five at the back because Arteta must have said right, it's a man less, we yeah. can commit a man more. We just said sort of played the ball out wide, put it in the box and hoped for the best, which you could argue worked because of the nature of the goal, but I think that came from a set piece, yeah. second phase of a set piece. Yeah, so that argument kind of goes out the window. If I'm honest, it worried me a little bit because it reminded me of the Emery days where he changed formations yeah. often. I mean, I agreed with the half-time change of formation, but as we were Definitely, saying earlier, yeah. I think that created a momentum that yeah. probably would have created some sort of chance if we'd stuck with it. Yeah, I, I just think when we switched to a 4-2-4, it sort of... It, 
it, we just looked like we didn't really know what we were meant to be doing. Yeah, it, uh, it, it lost all of that know. sort of structure and yeah. momentum that we began to slowly regain in that second yeah. half. If you look at the possession statistics, we had most of the ball second half. First 20 minutes of the first half, it was okay. And then yeah. we struggled in the last 20 minutes of the and first half. And to be half. fair, if you look at the expected goals as well... <laughs> Which we were miles ahead of them. Really? Yeah, I can't. Uh, I mean, I might, that means fuck all, but I mean, it does yeah, indicate exactly. sort of. I might. Um, I'm, I'm does it? It does indicate stuff. that it's two points dropped for us, if you know. Yeah. It's, it's more so their expected goals where their actual goals have come from dreadful individual errors. Two of them. The the expected goals were Arsenal one point nine four, Crystal Palace zero point four two. That's because both their goals came from fuck from, ups and from errors. Yeah. Anyway, that's enough of sort of a tactical rant slash discussion. Um, we hope that it was sort of insightful because, I mean, there's yeah. definitely things that people might disagree on. For example, like the, what Palace did, that's just what I saw live. But if I was to watch it back, it may have been different. Okay, so it's time for this week's instalment of player ratings. Uh, we've decided to sort of streamline this a, a little bit, conscious that we might have been talking a bit too much about players that just had very average games. So sure. instead, I'm going to ask Harry for his top three and bottom three players for okay. Arsenal. Sure. So top three? Number one in order, Lacazette. I thought he changed the game. I thought he just we, we're so much more creative and intentful. Um, I thought... Ramsdale was superb of his playing out from the back. It's the best we've seen him doing at that. I know maybe he's questioning the first goal or the second goal, was it? Second one that went off the bar. Yeah. yeah. And um, I'm struggling to pick a third here. So Laka one, Ramsdale two. two. Ben White three. I thought he's, he played out from the back okay. I'm, I'm struggling to give a third. Yeah. I'm not sure there is a third, which is a worry when I give a substitution goalkeeper in my top three. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say Laka one. I'd go Smith Rowe too. I always think he's one of our best players whenever he plays. And then I'd maybe go Pepe three. I thought he had quite a decent game. Really? Yeah. I was considering putting him in my bottom three. Really? I just thought he was a bit indecisive. Yeah, I guess. But he he, he always yeah, is. He always is. Um, so no, bottom... he's not in my bottom three. Okay. Your bottom I, I'm three? not sure I can give you an order for my bottom three. But okay, just I, Tierney, Aubameyang and Partey. I'd, Although Partey made one mistake and the rest of the game was okay. I'd go, I think I'd go Tommy Yasu. Okay. Um, Gabriel, I thought he was really poor defensively. Really? Yeah. Okay. I thought he was really at fault for that Benteke goal as well. Okay. Um, and I would go maybe Tierney as well. Okay. I don't, I, I thought, I thought Aubameyang wasn't great, but I didn't think he was one but of our worst just, players. What was the point of him being there? Like, literally, <laughs> can, you, can you give me an answer to that? Yeah, not really. There you go. No, I never can. And then I think we should also do, uh, we should start doing player of the match for the, for the opposition. For the opposition, yeah, um, well, that's a very good question. I think I'd give it to Conor Gallagher. Maybe he didn't have as many standout moments where he did amazing things, mm. but just from sort of linking back to the tactical section of, of this episode, I think that he was very key in everything they did and the way they adjusted to different phases of the game. And I thought without him, they wouldn't have restrained us so well because they did we really struggled to create and I thought that he was sort of key in knowing in orchestrating their press and orchestrating getting back into the system when they yeah. sat back and also creating a few chances here and there yeah 
I think Ben Teke was all right as well. Yeah, I think I'd probably give it to Edouard to be honest. Edouard, yeah. I thought he was, uh, you know, I thought thought when he got the ball, he he beat Tommy Asu quite a lot. He could buy quite nicely with Mitchell down the left, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I back that. And then just a just a quick mention for Mike Dean, who is a prick. Absolutely. Just class as always. He's so bad, isn't he? I just, like for like no excuses, but nailed on red. Nailed on red. I mean, he, we were saying he should have been on two yellows before. Yeah, two yellows before. Like, the inconsistency he where he's no, no, he's swiped Smith Road. Saka's done exactly the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Saka should have been given a yellow card because yeah. it was a yellow card, but. God knows why he didn't give but him a card. But MacArthur had done two, two before that. He, he of identical tackles. Sides Saka on the halfway line, then sides Smith Rowe, yeah. and then just kicked Saka. Yeah, which was also a red. So he should have had a double yellow, and then he should have had a straight red. Yeah. So that actually broke up the momentum of the game. Probably, or didn't break up the momentum yeah. of the game in our favour, as it should have done. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Mikel Arteta? Oh, three, four. I'm going to give him a four. I, I just I, thought we were four. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's, I maybe would have given him a five if we'd drawn and, and he hadn't changed it a third time. I thought it just caused panic. Yeah. Four, pretty average, below average. Okay, so we're on to our second instalment of this new segment. I don't know, we should have a name for it, actually. We should do. Old player history. No, that doesn't have a ring. Oh, that's it. good. That is brilliant, Harry. What old player history? Yeah, taking the piss. Yeah, yeah. taking the piss. Um, but anyway, okay. So this week, why don't we just call it our history section? Yeah, all right. Yeah, his, yeah fine. Um, Historical flashbacks. His his no no no. I'm not happy with any of these. Well, you you seem all right with the second one. No. Okay. Um, so this week we're we're going right back. Well, when I say we're, I'm I'm going right back to uh, Alex James. So he played for Arsenal between 1929 and 1937. Okay, sure. Um, he was actually a suggestion uh, by my dad, who knew he had a um, knew he had a bit of a funny story. Um, was he American? Alex James. Yeah. No, he was born in Scotland. Okay. Basically, he so he was a, he was a bit of a weird weird man, Alex James. So he he played he played eight times for Scotland, but he played two hundred and thirty one times for Arsenal. Okay. Sure. Uh, he scored twenty six goals in that time. Sure. Um, but he so he had a weird he had a a rheumatism, which was like a rheumatic disorder, which is a, sort of a condition that affects the joints. Um, and causes pain in them. Fair enough. So basically, he he was known for wearing really really baggy shorts uh, to cover up the the long johns that he put on for warmth. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And it it became sort of his thing, his baggy clothes. The Alex James style. Yeah. Exactly. Um, he was so yeah. So he was born in Scotland, and he was at a school called the Bells Hill Academy, where he met and became very good friends with uh, Huey Gallagher, who was also a footballer. Um, he played six hundred and twenty-four games, and he scored four hundred and sixty-three goals for a school. No, no, this is professionally. Okay, sure. Um, so, yeah, so they, they became really good friends there. What position was he? Up front. Okay. So, Alex James joined Wraith Rovers in 1922. And he made nearly 100 appearances 
but the main part of his story of Wraith Rovers was he, he was involved in a shipwreck in okay. 1923 when the team's boat that was bound for the Canary Islands struck rocks in a storm. Right. I do not think that there were any deaths. So they all survived the shipwreck? I think they all survived the shipwreck. Blimey. But yeah, so he, he was in a shipwreck, which is always fun. I thought you were going to go down sort of like a 12 night route there and say like some of them got split up on an island and some of them... Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Like... <laughs> just, just bear in mind, we've just come off the back of doing 12th night for A-level. So. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. <laughs> That's why Harry's mentioned it. So he then, he went from Wraith after his shipwreck to, uh, to Preston. He signed for Preston for three thousand pounds. Massive. That's um, weird. Three thousand pounds in nineteen twenty-five. That's a massive amount of money, isn't it? I don't think so. Is it not for nineteen twenty-five? Mm, I don't know. Anyway, so he was at Preston, it, but he fell out with the club. Firstly, over his wages, um, As you which do. the football league had a maximum of eight pound a week. Is that something you think we should bring back salary caps? I don't really know. Maybe. Because, in theory, yes, but then if it was to halt sort of the whole system that's in play of television rights and whatnot, yeah. maybe the quality of football would go well, down. It's just, it's just a vicious circle, yeah. isn't it? So, yeah, so £8 a week, but then he also fell out with them because Preston wouldn't let him, wouldn't release him for international duty. Right. Um, with Scotland. Hence the lack of Scotland caps. Yeah, so he left Preston, joined Arsenal for £8,750. Okay. In 1929. And, but it, in order to circumvent the maximum wage rules, uh, Arsenal had arranged it so that his employment at the club was supplemented by a £250 a year sports demonstrator job at Selfridges. Okay, so he actually had to go to Selfridges for a certain I don't, time. I don't, or do you reckon he just got like his brother to go or something like that? I don't know whether he actually had to work there or that was just put into his contract. I think it so makes, it, makes more it more money. interesting. It makes it less fraudulent if he's actually done it and more yeah, interesting than so. the story. Um, so he in his, in his first season, he uh, won Arsenal's first major trophy. In 1930. Was that the league? Uh, no, FA Cup. Uh, so our first league title was 31 then? I think so. Okay. Um, he scored the first in a 2-0 win over Huddersfield in the FA Cup. He... By the way, at the time, Huddersfield won three titles in a row or something like that. So it was a big, big deal. Yeah. And then, so in 1932, he missed the FA Cup final against Newcastle. Okay. He was, he was past fit. And then he... he didn't fancy it. He injured himself in a pre-match photo call. <laughs> he fell okay. going to these benches that they were taking sure. pictures on. And he missed that cup final and we lost 2-1 to Newcastle in 1932. The butterfly effect in full force there. Exactly. Potentially. He, so during, during World War II, the, just sort of, I think this might have been during his Arsenal playing time. Sure. Oh no, it wouldn't have been. Sorry, he left Arsenal in 1937. But uh, during World War Two, he served in the Royal Artillery, and after the war, he became a journalist as well as running like a football pools competition. What does that mean? Um, which was it was like a betting pool based on the okay, sure. football games, football games next week. So yeah, I just I just thought Alex James was a was a bit of an interesting man. Very interesting man. I think his his interests sort of spread a lot wider than the one we did last week. Yeah. Um, and also, just to mention, he he 
he's credited with scoring an additional goal for Scotland. So he played eight times. It says he scored three. Sure. But they think he might have scored four. Uh, this was in 1929. Scotland beat Ireland 7-3. And of course, because there were no cameras, there's, there's Very never... Very easy to lose records. There's never any way to Maybe know. Maybe it was one of those sort of corners where somebody's headed it and it might have whispered off somebody else's yeah, head yeah. as it's gone in type so thing. It says here that Scotland's sixth goal... Um, so Huey Gallagher, his his best mate, sure. who had already scored four times before, uh, and Alex James went for the ball at the same point. Um, but there had to be some correspondence between Queen of the South and the Scottish Football Museum in 2016 okay. to to talk about whose goal this was. Whose goal this was? Okay. Um, and the Scottish Football Museum favoured Gallagher. Uh, and they said that Huey himself was insistent that the goal was his, claiming that as he and Alex were of a similar build, it was easy f- for press men to make a mistake. Um, well, this seems a bit of favouritism here. Yeah, but James remains credited with the goal in some sources. R- reminds you a bit of um, the Harry Kane goal when he, uh, a few years ago. Oh yeah, that he claimed against Stoke. Stoke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's Alex James for you. Ah, interesting fellow. So, I'm back on quiz duty here. After disgracing himself last time. Right, I've tried to find a good balance where there's an easier question, a medium, more medium question, and a harder question, um, all of which I can potentially give a clue in. Just so that I'm a bit fairer can, can than you, I was before. Can you just openly admit that your quiz last time was Listen, a we can shake right hands right now. I can apologise. Okay, yeah. thank you. I overstepped the line, but we found it at least. <laughs> Sometimes right. it has to happen. Right, the first question is... Oh, we're stuck. This is a new, this is this a new, is a new start section. to the quiz. Yeah, cause... Lowell won the first section. Yeah. 5-4, I think. Which uh, I received a drink at Nando's for, so... There you go. That's nice. First question will be, how many years in a row have Arsenal drawn at home to Palace? Oh, God. My, my, clue, my clue will be, just think about Unai Emery. Okay. And um... absolutely mucking up top four. That should actually help you quite easily. So, including this including year. this game, yeah. Okay, so this year, last year. I'm gonna go. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for that. Okay, question two. Besides from Patrick Vieira, can you name any four other players to have played? for both AC Milan and Inter Milan. Now, I've gone for four, you might think that's quite a high number, but there are so many players that played for both. Okay. Let me have a think. Oh God. How many are you on? Two, but one of them's very dodgy. Okay. Um, You're going to kill yourself if you don't get this. Really? Because I've got a list of about seven or eight here that you could go for. Oh, God. Do I get a point for each one? No, it's, it's you need four. Okay. Uh, but it doesn't matter who you name. It could be any of them. Okay, give me a second there. All right. Okay. Cool. The final question, 
in light of South London's main transmitting station being in Crystal Palace, and having the nickname of South London's Eiffel Tower, can you name two players that have both played for Crystal Palace and PSG? This is supposedly the hardest one. Well, uh, right. How does that work as a question? Well, because we just play Crystal Palace. Oh, 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 Eiffel Tower. Okay, I see yeah. where you're... Crystal Palace and PSG? Yeah. I'm going to give you leeway if you, if, you, if you mention one player that didn't really make any appearances for PSG but was in the first team. He's also currently a Crystal Palace player. That would be my clue for one of them. I'll allow it, but there are also two other Crystal Palace players that um, that you can that you can give that played for them recently. Oh god! Oh, this is hard. Yeah. Um, Palace and PSG. Good question, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Oh, and one still at Palace. Well, he, this this one, if you. If you get it, I'm going to give it to you, but it shouldn't really be allowed. Did he start yesterday? Yeah, he, he 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 was in the PSG academy, then he was in the first team, but made no league appearances. Um, I'd like you to get the other... You've got one of them, I can see. I'd like you to get the other proper one, but if you get this other one, then I'm going to allow it, because it's quite a tough question. Okay. Right. Okay, cool. So... How many years in a row have Arsenal drawn at home to Palace? Your final answer. Four. Three. Oh! That's why I tried to give you the Emery clue because that was the fourth. So there was the, this year, last year. And then the one before that was... And then the one before that was when we lost 3-2 at home when Where? we fucked up top four when Jenkinson uh, and then he started for no reason. Uh, so two years ago was the 2-2? Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Messed that up. Besides from Vieira, can you name any four other players to have played for both Milan and Inter? Zlatan? Yes. Crespo? I need to check that. I didn't have him in my list. Continue and I'll check it afterwards. Melito? No, he just played for Inter. Schneider? No, just Inter. Michael? No, just Inter. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you fucked it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a list of players. So you could have gone for Seedorf. Oh. You could have gone for Ronaldo Nazario. Oh, you could have gone for. Oh, you could have gone for Andrea Pirlo. Oh, you could have gone for Chaloglu, who's just signed for Inter. Oh, God. you could have gone for Balotelli, and you also could have gone for Benucci. Oh, I told you, you could have got that. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, definitely could have got that. Okay, so I'm not going to give the full question because it's quite long-winded. But two players to have played for Palace and PSG. Goodbye. Yeah, Edward. I'm going to allow it. I mean, I'll allow it because it was a tough question. Right. But the correct answer should have been Sacco, the centre-back. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah Edouard never made any uh, professional appearances for PSG, at least in the league. Um, saying that reminds me of that um, that video of Sacco uh, spotting Matuidi out on the streets yeah. of Paris. <laughs> <laughs> that? Yeah. And Matuidi just thinks he's a mental fan. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see if I can find that uh, to post brilliant. on our Twitter. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. It's, it's so yeah. good. <laughs> All right, so it's 2-1 to you yeah. after this first instalment of... Uh, so it's going to be a three-game one, this one. It is, yeah. Okay. Okay, so lastly, um, for this episode, little Premier League roundup. Yes. So we had the opening game on Saturday... 
of Watford Liverpool. I watched all of that. Liverpool were just outstanding. However, Watford did nothing. Watford, it was one of the worst performances you'll see from a Premier League team. I mean, they was so it was kind bad. of it kind of masked Liverpool how good Liverpool were because then you say. Are they really that? Should we get carried away? Or because yeah, yeah. I mean, Watford were dreadful. Like they they weren't playing at Premiership level. They were sort of playing a League One sort of standard of football. Yeah. Salah mean, best in the world right now. On form, I don't like to say that. I don't. Think any, I don't, problem, think he's, I don't like these the, conversations. I, just, I don't think that anyone can ever be the best in the world right now. Whilst Messi Messi's still, still playing because. He's nowhere near like as gifted as Messi, so it just makes it quite hard for yeah, me. I just don't get on it, form but... in terms of impact he's having, goals yeah. and assists. It's Salah right now. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I just don't like the conversation very much. And then annoyingly, we had two unbelievable three o'clock kickoffs that weren't televised. Which I watched neither because I decided to watch Man City because I'm a little little Pep Guardiola fan. Oh, I watched both of them. Did you? Okay, yeah, so I had two screens up. I yeah, so I tried to do that, but I didn't have enough devices got working at once. I tried desperately though. Um, I would I would have preferred to watch Leicester United, but then I couldn't really be asked for what I thought would have been a typical Leicester outplay United. Ronaldo scores in the 90th minute, with, yeah, or Bruno or Pop, what, an individual moment of brilliance because that just does which no it really one was it really yeah, was I mean, yeah Leicester it doesn't do anything for. Yeah. And then Rashford equalised, but then it, it was actually really funny. I was watching with uh, one of my mates who's a United fan, and um, United equalised, and he was like celebrating. And then our stream froze, and the other mate that I was watching with had a bet on two all. Yeah. So he went to like check the score, and then it said three two, and our stream had frozen, and we were all like really confused. And then I've like got it back up, and we've seen Vardy just hammer it into the top corner. Brilliant! And he made me turn it off. Fuming, yeah, no, brilliant. And then Villa Wolves was just a great game. Yeah, nobody saw that coming. Yeah. I mean, I think a heap of fortune to Wolves. I mean, oh, yeah. all goals were a bit scrappy. Little Actually, bit. the the one where um, Neves plays it to Podence, who yeah, swears it was yeah. quite a nice goal, but. The, the, the Cody goal and, and the Neves free kick were scrappy I mean it seemed like Villa played quite well for 80 minutes which yeah. was very odd considering they lost and then City game I watched that yeah they weren't at their normal best I mean they no. controlled the game they had possession but they weren't creating I mean they still could have won the game 3 or 4 nil, yeah I mean they weren't at their best to Burnley in the 12th minute you, I sort of expected them to kick yeah, off yeah uh, which a fair play to do. Burnley who sort of stuck out Burnley, stuck yeah. it out yeah uh, Norwich, Brighton. Don't know. Didn't watch any. Didn't no. bother watching the highlights. Southampton, no Leeds. Nah. Didn't watch it either. Didn't watch, but Leeds are in trouble a little bit. They are a little bit. They seem to have real squad depth issues where yeah. they sort of got these under-23s on the bench that aren't really ready yet. Mm. And then Brentford, Chelsea. So I was at work for that and I was sort of monitoring it whenever I could go on my phone. Oh, and Brentford it, was I, so unlucky. I knew as soon as I went on Instagram on my break that I wasn't going to want to watch it on Match the Day or want to watch the highlights because I knew it'd be one of those annoying ones where one of our big rivals should have dropped points and they didn't and then everyone's going to say that's what you need to win a title. Like, yeah. But in reality, men, I have watched the highlights. Oh, and Chelsea are big just, rivals anymore? Well, it doesn't matter where we are on the table. Like, yeah, I guess. I, I, yeah. Hate, I despise Chelsea. Yeah, After Spurs, true. Chelsea and United, I, just, I can't stand them. Yeah. Mendy was just ridiculous. Essentially, he saved them. It wasn't even like they defended that well. No, they Brentford didn't defend well at all. I thought Brentford were brilliant. They though. were brilliant. Like, they were the, the, the sustaining um, of pressure was just like something I'd not really seen before. What it does highlight, in my opinion, is that in terms of... I mean, it's subjective, because for me, I like possession-based, high-pressing-based, attacking, creative football, yeah. which Chelsea don't give you. They're very... Def- 
they're one of the, they're the best defensive team in the world in my opinion and they can be just as effective in getting results in that fashion that, that Liverpool and City can but in terms of suited to what I like from a team Chelsea are miles behind it compared to Liverpool and City in terms of playing style yeah. but then again their playing style can grind out there is the same, the same standard of results that Liverpool and City can so it's going to be interesting to see if yeah. Chelsea can maintain over 38 games that more defensive counter-attack style whether yeah. it's more suited to a Champions to League a run knockout format yeah, yeah. Um, and then Sunday we had Everton West Ham genuinely one of the worst games of football I've ever seen yeah didn't watch it absolute um, disaster good pass needed... from Alex Iwobi <laughs> he <laughs> was yeah. so bad was he? he was so bad it was <laughs> so funny he did his sort of s- s- classic sort of step over the ball like 500 times yeah. and not really do anything Wait, with he it. Also, I, I'm convinced he doesn't really have any leg power. Okay. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen him lift the ball higher than like half a metre off the ground. Fair enough. He yeah. just sort of like yeah, swings a little yeah. leg, yeah. And then I was having my break on Sunday at work so I decided to watch the first five minutes of Newcastle Spurs, which I enjoyed. Oh, yeah. And then about two hours later when I next checked my phone, Spurs won the game, which yeah. frustrated me a bit. But I think the most important thing to discuss from that match is obviously the fan collapse, which yeah, we're very, gla- we were very glad that um, he's that was okay amazing from the from Reguilon, Reguilon and, and Dyer, Dyer the, yeah, the sort play. of the quickness of the yeah. of the reaction, and then I also was seeing that there was a guy in the crowd that was a doctor that performed CPR yeah. straight away. Then. No, big up to all of them, um, fantastic so job. Yeah, and that was great. Finoni hope that everything stays okay with that gentleman in the crowd. Um, touching on Newcastle. Takeover. The takeover. Well, before we touch on the takeover, are they going to go down at this rate? I, I th- it would be really fucking hilarious if they went down. But also, I, I saw some tweet that just said, don't let the, don't let the takeover dis- uh, disguise the fact that Newcastle still have Joe Linton playing. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is actually a real issue. Yeah, no, it's a massive issue. I did quite enjoy from the Spurs fans, they were singing um, You're Getting Shot in the Morning to oh, Steve no, Bruce. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> which is quite well, enjoyable. Yeah, slightly on edge that, yeah. Well, you know. Um, but, I mean, I've all, I, I really like Newcastle as a club. I've, I've been to St James's Park and I've spent a weekend up there and it's, it's yeah. a fantastic place it's a real footballing it's a one city club so it's, it's a big club so I was on one on one hand I'm quite happy about the takeover but then on the other hand just, not from the people that are no, taking them over the like, human rights issues and whatnot. Yeah. it leaves a really sour taste in your mouth um, and it's going to probably make me dislike Newcastle Yeah. Well, whereas I, I quite liked them before but yeah. I mean, we'll see how that they goes. They play dire football. They're, at this rate, they're going down unless yeah. they sign a fuckload of players in January. Yeah. yeah. John Joe Shelby's cameo was quite good. Oh, that's smart from him. Yeah. Genius good player. player. I mean, who was it? Matt Ritchie that said that he could play for Barcelona. He has got a good passing range, it's, but nothing else. That, that's, that's the sentence I never thought I'd hear <laughs> anyone thought say. In my life, yeah. Matt Ritchie said that John Joe Shelby could play for Barcelona. He did, it's I not, promise you. Yeah, I know. It's just like, it's crazy. who's Matt Ritchie to say? Who is Matt Ritchie to say? Right, so that's it for today's episode. Um, disappointing result, and yeah, I mean, what else is there to say? Onwards and upwards, Villa on Friday. I don't know. I mean, it, it was a must-win before this yeah. result, and it's still a must-win. Now there's a lot more pressure. I think it's a must-win plus good performance now. Yeah. If you want to add an extra dimension to it. Yeah. So we'll see you for that one. Um, Villa and then Leicester 
two tough games, but we're going to need six points from them now with drop points against Palace. Yeah. So, see you next week. Take care.